0: Okay, as we enter the end of the NFL season, heading into the playoffs, one of the biggest storylines, one of the biggest storylines all year has been the, I feel like it's fair to call it a demise struggles, demise question mark of the Chiefs offense. Here to join me for a special edition of the Time show featuring Lenny, my friend, Uh, nine years in the NFL. I think more than half of them with the Kansas City Chiefs all pro super bowl champion mitch schwartz welcome to the show
1: thank you good to be here
0: um okay i, I think we should probably actually start by de- deciding whether it is a uh, demise or how bad is it what is the panic level here so it, it, it's funny the chiefs are still six in offensive DPOA, which uh, makes this feel a little bit dramatic however um Over the last few weeks, second half of the season, you do see those numbers falling off. Ninth in EPA per play, but uh, since week eight, that's dropped to 18th. And we're also coming off of a game against the Las Vegas Raiders that was arguably the worst offensive performance of the Patrick Mahomes era. So I think it's fair to worry. My question for you, before we get into the nitty gritty of it and whether it can be turned around is, On a scale of like one through 10, 10 being the season's over, call it, why even bother talking about the playoffs? What is your level of panic?
1: For the Chiefs specifically, it's at a 10. Now you're never going to write them off because of Patrick Mahomes, because of kind of the infrastructure. But in terms of what we've seen since Mahomes got there, this is by far the worst it's ever been. And to the original point, is it a demise? I would say after this past game, we are in the demise uh, category. And Again, this is all relative to what we're used to in Kansas City and what you know we've put on film before. And so it's, it's funny you kind of throw out those underlying stats. There's no one that's going to watch this team and say this is the sixth best offense in the NFL. Yeah. This is kind of the Shanahan EPA quarterbacks uh, where it just kind of boosted because – Things have gone well in certain games and we had a couple of good performances against good teams. But right. I think if you went more along, especially the weighted DVOA stats that puts more emphasis on later in the season, this is not a very good offense right now. They'll have a drive or two that have some spurts where it looks really good. But uh, yeah. the totality of it, I think, you know, the panic level is as high as it's ever been in Kansas City. And I, I do think for good reason.
0: Uh much has been made of the struggles of the receiving core. I don't even think we really need to get into that. They're so obvious in terms of drops, execution. Um, you know, it, it, it's cost them games, very obviously. But, Mitch, what really jumped out to me in this Raiders loss, what well, two things jumped out to me. Um, one, the protection, it actually reminded me a little bit of the Super Bowl that the Chiefs lost to Tampa, where Patrick, it, it was like a jailbreak. He was like running for his life. I felt like that watching this game. And then the other thing that really struck me was how bad the run game looked. I realize that's tied to the offensive line, but I think something that has been overlooked over the last couple of years, particularly last year after the Tyree kill trade, when the chief's offense was no longer explosive, but they were still efficient is how well they ran the football. And that was a big factor in the Super Bowl. So this last game against the Raiders, I looked it up. By success rate, it was 96 of 97 games since 2018, so the Mahomes era. And then EPA per play, it was 97. Oof. When you watch the run game, like what strikes you when you watch it as being the maybe the reasons why it doesn't look as good as it did last year?
1: So as always, I mean, I feel like it's a combination of everything, but I don't think this team necessarily has a true run identity. I think... They're still doing bits and pieces of things that have worked in the past. And I know, obviously, from having been there, not to drop names on my own feet, but like it's a very good team in terms of self-evaluating and realizing like what works for us, what works against this defense, what we're going to face based on certain formations, what's worked against them in the past and kind of blending all those together to form the proper run game. And, you know, I think it was the first play of the game, the first run they have where, it's a pretty basic look. Everything looks good. They identify it correctly. And basically at the snap, the safety buzzes down to linebacker level and no one's accounting for him. And he's right in the hole and he makes a tackle. And now you could say, is the offensive line wrong for not anticipating that is the tight end combination and and the tackle wrong for not uh, getting to that guy in the fly is the scheme wrong for not knowing that that guy could be coming down in the box. Um, There are a lot of ways to kind of look at that, but you know, that's an opening play in the game and you've got a free guy in the hole to tackle the running back. So you've got a few of those where the Raiders, I think, had a good defensive game plan because offensive line-wise, I mean, we did a good job and Coach Heck, this is where I think he really shines in terms of understanding scheme. And he talks almost as much about coverage as he does technique because if you understand certain coverage tendencies, certain leverages, you can figure out who's supposed to be in the box and who's not. And so maybe this linebacker is standing you know, one step outside the three technique in one of these spread formations. And that means, well, he probably doesn't have that A-gap. You know, he's moved himself out into the B-gap outside of the guy who is the B-gap defender. So he probably is trying to play the middle between a slot receiver and the running back. So maybe we discard him because we know this week and this look that that guy's going to be pulled out in the route combination. So I think this offensive line, especially, you know, with Creed and Trey in their third years being really good players, Joe Tooney, one of the smarter, more dependable uh, linemen in football, They understand that stuff as well, as well. Uh, So it was surprising to see errors like that. And then, you know, you had Crosby, he's a fantastic player, let alone a run defender, he blew up a few plays, you know, he's going against now a rookie left tackle who's starting his his first few games in the NFL. So that's going to be expected. Um, So just little things here and there where they couldn't get things off the ground. And much like this offense in general, it's something different each time. And so in totality it's not like all right let's just fix our assignments and we're all of a sudden gonna you know start figuring out because we got too many guys in the hole like it's all these little things happening on each play so you're trying to solve a lot of small things at once which is a very hard thing to do
0: do you think i mean so you, you mentioned i probably should have mentioned that you're talking about a backup left tackle which was a major factor in this game the tackle position throughout which obviously played throughout The season has at times i think been a huge factor in some of the struggles on offense do you think that's something that can get fixed moving forward
1: so it seems like for the most part no because Juwan has always been someone who's been more penalized than not. You know, he flirts the line with getting off the ball, obviously after the opening game in Collinsworth, he started to get targeted a little bit more, but that is something that he does. He does push the boundary on that. That's something he likes to do to kind of get that space in the past and feel more comfortable. Um, But he's also historically been a guy who gets holding calls and um, does it at a little bit of a higher rate. Now Donovan Smith, who started the season as the left tackle, has been one of the most penalized, if not the most penalized guy in his entire tenure in the NFL. So you do have two guys who are likely between the two of them to have at least one penalty a game, maybe two. And this is what differentiates this specific Chiefs offense in this season from the past, where you look at the past couple years, and I know uh, you know, today being Thursday is not the greatest day to talk about what the Chiefs offense looked like in the past, because we got some stuff floating around the Twitter world about how Mahomes needs to learn to check it down, which, if you've been watching, that's what the last two years have been, really. What? Uh, Wait, what
0: what is floating around in the world about Mahomes needing to? I totally missed this.
1: Oh, I think it's Dante Stalworth. He's saying that Mahomes needs to change into a Tom Brady who's comfortable checking the ball down it and not. Literally just has been the story play.
0: of Patrick Mahomes for the last I am sorry, I'm just repeating what you said, but that's wild.
1: I know. So that's been going around. So I, I think it's funny that um, you know, we're now getting back to that. But sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. Um honestly, what were we what was
0: well, I was, we're talking about the pass protection and the offensive oh, tackle yeah.
1: So yeah, so pass protection-wise, so based on the Chiefs the past couple of years, it's yeah. a different offense than what it was. It's not as explosive. It's more about ball control. It's more about 10, yes. 12, 14 play drives. And the team was good enough to do that. The team this year is not good enough to do that. So one error usually yeah. is a fatal flaw in the drive. And if that error is a holding call or an an offsides or a sack given up, something offensive line related, those are plays where you're going backwards and the drive is almost guaranteed to not work. And so now you've got guys who are in her prone to having those sorts of penalties and you can say, Oh, well, we'll scheme it up. Or, you know, Juwan needs to time the snap count better. It's week 17. So (laughs) those things aren't necessarily going to get better. This I think is who they are offensive line wise now we did see pat kind of get into them uh it was either end of first quarter kind of midway into the second quarter and they did respond and play a little bit better so i think physically they can play better but in terms of penalties that's just the reality of kind of who these guys are at this point especially from the tackle position um so i don't think that's changing and unfortunately you know the offense just hasn't shown this year to be good enough to overcome penalties of that nature
0: do you think it would be fair then to sort of explain the struggles this way. If you're trying to explain what's different about this chiefs offense versus last year, because as you said, post, post Tyreek Hill trade, the offense was not explosive, but it was still efficient. However, it seems to me that when you're efficient, and this would have been the case last year as well, your margin of error is much smaller. And the problem with this current iteration of the chiefs is because of penalties in the offensive line that so occasionally struggles with the tackle position, the run game being inconsistent in a way that it was much more reliable last year, and then of course drops and whatnot, that margin of error suddenly is the, it, it, It's the reason why they're not succeeding the way they did last year, despite the fact that from a personnel perspective, they weren't that much better last season.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because I know we've all done the receiver thing and you look at the group as a whole and you kind of say, all right, you lose Juju, you gain Rasheed Rice. Is that relatively a net even uh, swap? But, you know, MBS has taken a step back. Sky Moore has taken a step back, which is saying something because there wasn't much last year. Uh, What do you expect from Tony hasn't happened. They had to bring McColl back or they were happy to let walk in free agency and sign for almost nothing in New York. So to me, the root cause of this offense and these issues is it seems like Pat doesn't trust what's going on now. It manifested itself in the worst way possible against the Raiders this past week. I think we all know that we saw that he's missing on throws. He's you know kind of looking down, looking to see the rush. Um, he's not a robot. He's a human being who is affected by all the things around him. Um, I was actually thinking, you know, in the past couple of days, it reminds me a lot of LeBron. When you look at LeBron and his ability to assess everything that's going on around him, I think we all can agree that he's got, you know, one of the best, if not the best, basketball mind ever. Where he just he understands everything that's going on. He knows everyone's role and what's going on. He can see things two, three, four plays ahead. And pat's like that on the field. And that's why he and Travis are so good. They both have that same ability that to, to see things unraveling on the field the same way. And so I think Pat has gotten to the point where he now has seen enough bad things over 17 weeks that it's hard for him to trust that this guy's going to be in the right spot. This guy's going to catch the right ball. This guy can get lined up correctly. This guy's going to make his block. This guy's not going to have a holding. And when we've seen it, you know, basketball wise with LeBron, you know, that's a little bit different, but there's a year he was kind of injured and he was like, "Eh, well, we don't really have it this year. So, you know, that's it. Pat is, So not that Pat's more or less competitive than LeBron, but he's so competitive as an individual that he's not just going to be, okay, we're just not good enough. Like he's going to do everything in his power to try to will the team to do it. And that does turn a little bit into more of like the street ball. And he starts running around trying to make plays because he figures it's not going to work in structure. And I think that's lack of trust is really the root issue. And how do you build that back in week 17? I don't know that you can build back the trust. I think you can go back to your fundamentals, you know, back to your question, can the O-line fix this? You go back to your fundamentals. Pat goes back to his fundamentals the wide receivers do. You know, if it's a five-step route and you're supposed to snap it off at eight yards, you do that and you present yourself to the quarterback where he expects you to be. And so everyone just needs to kind of get back to that mentality. And just, if I'm doing my job to the best of my ability, that's all I can do. I can only control the other 10 guys so much. And unfortunately for Pat, you know he's been able to control more than just himself for so long. He's just not able to this year.
0: It's almost like you're saying, you know, as we kind of transition to this question of can any of this be fixed? Can they play better? Um Mahomes has to play like he thinks the rest of the team won't screw up. If that makes <laughs> sense, I yeah, I know, but it like it's, it cuts back to the checkdown thing, which is so funny because you know Patrick Mahomes was. Uh, incredibly efficient throwing the ball short uh, last year as we talked about um, but this year I, 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 to your point like I when you watch him and you see him occasionally passing up, there are sometimes guys open you see him passing them up and you can criticize him but you can also understand it and I think that's true of not just guys, to, um, you know, in the short area of the field, but also uh, when you watch the tape, sometimes you do see receivers open downfield. You see Mahomes double clutching, thinking like, ah, I don't want to, mm-hmm. am I going to throw this ball? And this isn't um, apologism. It makes sense. It's understandable. To your point, he is human. And no doubt there's a part of him that has trust if she's with the rest of the team. But I think um, unless he is willing to continue throwing to those guys, the offense is going to look a lot like what we saw on Sunday, uh, which are Monday, Sunday, Monday. It was Monday. Yeah. Which is to say <laughs> yeah, pretty underwhelming. Weekend,
1: it all blends together. Yeah, yeah.
0: So much football. But yeah, pretty <laughs> underwhelming.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest thing is what we're seeing with Pat right now. Like obviously the Raiders game wasn't good. There were throws missed. There were reads missed. There were, everyone shared in that yeah. game. His play or his, you know, worsening in that game or whatever you want to look at season-wise, to me, is a symptom of everything else going on around him. I think we've seen and we have more than enough evidence that when things are functioning, even at half-decent level, he is the best guy in the NFL. I think we all still believe if everyone was going to pick a team right now, Pat would be the first guy chosen, chosen. So we all know what he's capable of and him at his best. What we're seeing on the field, again, is a symptom of everything else that's going on around him. We're seeing frustration for really the first time we've ever seen from him yeah. in an outward manner, both you know directed at refs, directed at teammates, directed uh, towards the offense line during a game. Um, we're seeing all these different things, You know, Kelsey slamming helmets, not that he hasn't done that before, but it seems like a little more aggressive and frequent than he used to. We're seeing them going through adversity they're not used to and not being able to solve it the way they used to as well because... There just aren't enough guys around them that can solve it at the level that's needed right now. So everything we're seeing from him is a symptom of what's happening. And like I said, I I don't think that can necessarily be fixed because the personnel is the personnel, the play calling is the play calling, like all those things kind of are what they are at this point. But I do think each guy, Pat included, could probably just go back to, all right, what's my checklist of things I need to control in this play? Let's get to the line, make sure guys are lined up, get the motion correct, read the defense, understand the – the coverage, you know, as a three-step drop, it is five-step do that efficiently. What's the first read? Is he there? Throw it to him. And just like you said, kind of trust that they're going to do the right things and that they're going to be in the right spots and catch the ball correctly because the not trusting isn't working right now. So you might as well go back to just kind of blind trust and hope that you can kind of build it back piece by piece. And in a really interesting and kind of weird way, the chiefs have two games now to kind of play around and see what works. You know, yeah. they only need, a tie in one of these two games to get to the playoffs. I think we're all pretty confident that even if they lose to Cincinnati, they're going to beat the Chargers with Easton Stick in week 18. So you have this two-week window where you're probably not going to get the 2 seed anyway. You're probably not necessarily going to drop down to the 4 seed and I don't think it really matters, but just try something different. Do something different whether that's schematically, whether that's personally, um they've got a really nice window at the end of the year to do something to kind of change things up. And so I think that, uh, you know, if guys and if the team thinks that way, I think you could see some sort of spark that carries into the postseason. Now, I don't think as constructed, they're good enough to win three playoff games in a row against the other good teams in the FC. But if they find something in the next two weeks that clicks, maybe they are able to get on track.
0: Hmm. I think what's so tricky is when you're an explosive team, even when you're behind. I mean, how many games do we watch Patrick Mahomes when they would be behind at halftime and I think his record and like when he's down by like two scores is something I mean it's, it's insane, right? You know. And, and yeah. but when you're an exp- when you're an explosive team you can always fix things. There's always the big play is always there. What we're talking about is a team that is not built to be explosive anymore, that wasn't built to be explosive last year, that is built to be efficient, run the ball well, So when we talk about, uh, you know, getting back on track and trusting him and the fundamentals, the fix for that isn't going to be exciting necessarily. It it is going to be like, okay, great. Does, you know, do you does Rishi Rice catch, uh, you know, 70 yards? You know, I mean, it's it's just a little bit different because it also requires. execution at a level that is not required when you are explosive. And then when that execution is gone and the run game isn't working and the pass protection is, uh, it, it just becomes a lot harder to fix. Frankly, I do think the run game has been better at times this season. I I know as we're coming off this really horrible performance, I, to me, Mitch, as we talk about like what might be fixed. And I really, I think your point about using these last two weeks is important. I think that while this chiefs team The pass game is not going... They just don't have the personnel to be excellent. I do think the run game can be a lot better because they do have the players. And as you said at the beginning, when I asked you about the game, some of that to me more is about just the uh, execution of it.
1: Yeah, that I agree with. And I do think they have to lean on that a little bit more. It's interesting because having watched this team enough and having been part of it a little bit, that I feel like even when we were running the ball really well or when the Chiefs now currently are running the ball well, when it gets to the end of the third quarter and it's a nine point game and coach just wants to say, all right, we're just going to run the ball, you know, eight out of the 10 times on this drive and we're going to march down the field. That doesn't really happen. The team's not as successful running the ball in running situations as opposed to, You know, the quote-unquote being balanced and being able to run it at any time in any spot. And so even when this team has run the ball well, and like you said last year, the rush rush efficiency was a lot better, it was still because it worked in the entire offense and because there was still more of the threat of pass and what we could do on the perimeter. And so... Now finding that identity of are we going to be a shotgun team that runs inside zone? A shotgun team that runs more of the gap scheme, which we saw more last year. We've seen less this year. I'm not exactly sure why, because they still have the same guards, or I can't imagine that they're changing up gap schemes because they have two new tackles. Like you should be able to uh, do with it. the best of them. And so yeah. Now you're looking at some more under center runs, and then that presents different angles when you're doing inside zone, and outside zone from under center, and inside zone, and outside zone from shotgun, and you're trying to blend all those things together, and some of them have RPOs, and sometimes, hey, he could have handed on this one, and it would have been a huge play, but he threw it to a look that looked good, and it doesn't quite work out, and so finding what is going to click for these guys in the run game, and to me, it's just making it as simple as possible and letting them just go destroy guys in front of them. Just, Hey, let's roll out. You guys are going to go double team guys and we're just going to go have fun. And that might be inside zone from shotgun where the team is not necessarily going to you know play Pat to pull the ball, but you've got guys in Pacheco and Clyde's running the ball pretty well right now who can maybe make that guy miss or just pound into the line. But if the interior guys get enough pressure on those double teams, that edge defender that you're quote unquote reading becomes less important and the running back can kind of get by him, uh, with enough vertical push on the inside. So I think they're probably going to try to get back to, we're just going to let you guys go, uh,
0: beat the guys yeah. in front of you well, and
1: be physical and have fun.
0: They're still facing the most light boxes of any offense in the NFL. Uh, this wasn't the case. You talked in the Raiders game. They did a great, I, I thought a really nice job with their safeties. Um, throughout the game, but for the most part on the season, they're still getting advantageous looks to run the ball. Teams are still (laughs) respecting the pass. Like some people, I feel like might be listening to this and saying, well, you know, they probably can't run the ball as well because no one's afraid. No, they're still playing the pass against this team. So they should be able to run the ball. And I, gosh, isn't it funny? Like, um, just how football discussion has evolved in the last few years. Like I've just, you know, I feel like five years ago, I never would have said this about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs. But right now looking at this personnel, looking at some of their struggles, I do feel like if they have a more consistent uh, run game, that is more of what you describe in terms of the, the, the identity of it, downhill nature of it. Uh, and they can lean on that. That, to me, is an offense I feel better about going into the playoffs as we talk about, can this thing be fixed this year?
1: It is. And this is what gets into why is the run game important in today's NFL. You know, it's not to establish the physicality or to whatever. It's to force the defense to do something that they don't want to do by respecting you and by either bringing a guy in or doing something different schematically that they don't want to the Chiefs run game hasn't forced defenses to change what they do to respect it because it's good in spurts. It's good here and there. Even when, you know, Pacheco's having a 16 carry 97 yard game. Is that really enough to force teams to say, all right, we're going to, you know, bring guys down in fully and commit to stopping the Chiefs run game? No. And that's what they have to do with the run game. It's not too make things easier, you know, on Pat because there's eight less throws. It's not to make things easier on the O-line. It's to force defenses to do something they don't want to do. And then that benefits the pass game in a way that is more uh beneficial to you. Because to go back to something you said, like I don't think this is a team that's necessarily not designed to be a vertical team you know you sign mbs for that reason specifically mm-hmm. uh, you have tony who's more of a ball in his hands guy but in terms of when he's on the field he can get vertical and he can stretch the field you bring mccall back to be able to stretch the field um so you've got guys who are able to bring the verticality that you know we didn't see pre-mahomes and pre-tyreek especially but teams don't necessarily have to respect that because when those vertical shots present themselves, they aren't being completed or a guy drops it or it's not being thrown or something else. Protection is broken down. We saw that like six times this past game where play action shots were there. Even the kind of wonky play where he's Pat has taken the handoff from Pacheco. It would have been wide open, but (laughs) it didn't work. Um, And so being able to run the ball effectively enough to alter what the defense is doing to allow maybe one or two more of those shots a game. And now all of a sudden you start hitting those and then the defense really doesn't know what to do. I think that's what the goal needs to be. And, you know, the root of that is just run the ball better more often and more physically and, you know, force them to uh, tip their hand a little bit.
0: Over 60% light box rate. Still, still against this team. I mean, yeah, it's right. that It's... Um not been a necessity, I think the way it is now, where it's like, okay, we actually need this run game to help um change the way defenses play us so that the pass game can be more efficient because the pass game is struggling so much. Oh, the Chiefs, you're now like a football team where you have to affect defenses that way in a way that you weren't before, because you had these guys who just solved regardless of how they were being played in Mahomes and Hill. It's it's different now.
1: Yeah. And and I think in terms of the run game, you know, because of the nature of the offense, because of how shotgun-based it is, because they aren't doing some of the Shanahan scheme uh play-action stuff, it's not as comprehensive as like a run and play-action. You know, again, it's not necessarily you're trying to trick the defense or whatever, but it does, it's not as seamless. It's not that like the run game is now going to force these linebackers to play really far up and they're going to respect play-action more. But the easy plays that Shanahan offenses build into their offense, the Chiefs have less of those. They're more of like... All right, it's an RPO or it's, uh, yeah. you know, a coverage look where it's, you know, two over three. So pack and throw the ball to the receiver. It's not necessarily that like hard play action, quarterback turns around and there's a guy on a 12 yard over route, like wide open. This offense doesn't have as many of those opportunities. It's not built to have as many of the easy Shanahan plays off of play action uh, as the other ones do. So you have less opportunities to give Pat the easy plays. That's why you're seeing all these like little screens and wide receiver things that are really short one, because like you're saying, you get light like, boxes, you're getting opportunities to throw underneath. Um, but two, that's like this offense's version of the easy stuff. And I think at this point, it'd be nice to get the quarterback a few more easy things, well, but they're just built differently than what we're now used to seeing in terms of the Shanahan.
0: Do you think that, I mean, you, there's a, you know, it's it's a totally different scheme, Andy Reid, and, you know, what he, everything that they do is so different, but do you think that they're needs to be some sort of evolution because of the personnel. Um, like, do you think Patrick could benefit from some of that like hard play action and some of the things we see around the league right now? Or is, I mean, I, we're talking about it's December 28th though. So like, you know, yeah. it's a kind of a weird the question. Is a
1: fierce, he could, can you just add that stuff at this point in the season? I don't yeah. think so. You know, Shanahan, coaches it in a very specific way. There's a certain right. buy-in from the offensive line. There's a certain speed and attitude that goes along with it. Um, it's also, again, a guy in Pat who has done his fair share of under center play action. He has not done the hard Shanahan play action where, you know, you're given a true outside zone look and flipping around and now the pocket's where it is. Um, he's done kind of the more old school inside zone shot ch- um, play action from under center or, you know, true naked where he's leaving the pocket. So, it doesn't happen quite as much. And I don't think that's something that you can just kind of throw in there in the middle of the year, whether that's something to incorporate in the off season. Again, now you're looking at like, are we now trying to blend two schemes that aren't necessarily compatible? And are we trying to do, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that and getting away from, you know, our core identity. Um, so I, I do think this offense has easier plays, few to, two more play actions. I mean, we're seeing that with the more under center stuff. Um, unfortunately, they're, when they are getting called, it doesn't seem like at this moment they're getting blocked up the way they need to. So um, he's trying to, and there are play actions available that have wide open guys. It's just not the, uh, easy nature of play action that we see, you know, this is the entire Purdy discussion, but uh, it's just not as easy as, you know, what Purdy gets or what Tua gets.
0: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Grainger.com or just stop by. So last year, Chiefs won the Super Bowl and sort of puts to bed the was it wise to trade Tyreek Hill and was it worth it discussion because won the Super Bowl. However, this year, (laughs) uh, I think uh, there's reasons to revive that question you have to bake in the fact that they won the Super Bowl last year, but you you, you understand, like, you know, everything we're talking about, you and I are literally prefacing every topic point about this Chiefs offense by saying, well, they can't lean on explosives the way they used to, which is an undeniable truth. Do you think that in the building they regret the decision based on what we've seen this year? And, and, And I would say, I would say based on, The specific words, margin of error, which I think applied to this offense so clearly. The fact that the margin of error is small because they aren't as explosive as they used to be.
1: So I don't think that they necessarily think that, oh, we shouldn't have traded Tyreek. I I would imagine that they're more, because obviously last year worked, like we keep saying. Like last year worked, whether um, you want to say this year is a disaster and it stems back to trading Tyreek. Not over Last year definitely worked. And so I think this year was a bad bet on the wide receiver room. I think, you know, there was chatter. Should MVS get let go? I mean, the contract, they were kind of able to get out of it. If he didn't have that AFC championship game, I would imagine he 100% gets let go because that was kind of the one redeeming game to his season. Um, So maybe having a little bit of residual goodwill towards that performance ended up uh keeping him around when he should have gone obviously there was a bet on sky Moore being able to take a step in his second year and to ascend into the offense into a a better role there was a belief that Kadarius tony could be something in the offense now i don't know truly if they expected him to be you know a bona fide number one or number two or what kind of health uh They, they banked on, you have to imagine they knew they weren't getting 17 games out of him, but they probably thought, all right, we'll get 10 to 12 games out of him. Eight will be awesome. And we'll try to make sure he's healthy for December and January. And then, you know, you look at Rasheed Rice and he has developed and that contradicts everything we're talking about in terms of receiver development. How can he have developed this much throughout a season? He's going to end up having one of the best Andy Reid rookie, rookie wide receiver seasons ever. But Sky can't develop at all, and MVS has regressed, and all these other things are happening. And I do think they thought maybe Richie James would be a bigger part of this, and he Mm. could kind of take the Juju role, even though it's a very different body type. I think you know stylistically they can do similar things, and he can maybe take over that role with a little bit of Sky. And so I think it's just a bad bet on how this receiver group was going to perform this year. And I mean, that's pretty clear at this point. But in terms of what that looks like to the future, does it have to be having a guy who's a 25 million plus receiver? I don't know about that specifically, but I do think we need better guys in that room, more dependable guys, and we need guys that can alter games uh, when you get them the ball. And so um, it, it's funny because this this also came with this awesome defense. that's now like a top five defense. Yes, and right. McDuffie. For forever. Yeah, and all these other dudes. Sneed's having a – heck of a year incredible
0: season yeah
1: it seems at this point and much like most teams should be built that prioritize having a top three offense and having a middle of the pack defense that can turn it on in the playoffs and in big games because you can rely on spags as opposed to prioritizing the entirety of the team and maybe making a more well-rounded team quote-unquote on paper at the expense of the offense and we've seen what at the expense of the offense can look like at its worst now
0: yeah, I think you make a good point, though. It wasn't just, like, Tyreek or or bust. It's, you know, they chose certain receivers, and there's a world in which they draft different guys, and we're not – it doesn't look as different, um, especially when you look around the league and you see so many young wide receivers performing, performing. So, I mean, look at the Green Bay Packers. They seem to have found, like, three amazing receivers, you know, a, 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 um, which isn't to say that, you know, I, I do like Rasheed Rice a lot, but some of the other guys you mentioned, I think – yeah, there's a lot of alternatives that aren't just Tyreek Hill around the NFL that probably would have been better in this offense, um, which I guess, yeah, brings me to kind of the, not just this season, but next year. Um, what do you think needs to happen roster wise to address some of the offensive issues we've seen this season?
1: I mean, I think the clearest thing is kind of a complete redo of the wide receiver room. Obviously, yeah. Rice stays, uh, most of the other guys. I mean, Watson is a good player. He's now turned into the number two on this offense. And receiver-wise is the guy Pat trusts either the most or the second most behind Rice. That's not a guy you want in a number two role. He's a good player if he's, you know, your three okay, if he's your four, awesome. Like that's his perfect role. And he can play along those guys really well. Um, But the fact that, you know, he's having to be a two kind of shows you the state of the wide receiver room. And so I think just a complete revamp of it. Now, the problem with this is like, how do the Chiefs specifically get that bona fide number one receiver? Um, Probably going to have to be a trade up and I mean, you look at the receivers, and for the most part, those guys who end up being the studs are drafted in the first round, up to kind of the early 20s. And once you get into the mid to late 20s, it's a bit more of a, a flyer at that point. And so what happened
0: last year? Exactly. Like all yeah, the receivers and, went like 17, 18, 19, and then so you know what I mean? Or, or not, I think it was more like I think 20, 21, 22. But, 19, 20. Well, by
1: 20, the time 20, you got 22. to the Chiefs,
0: and, yeah, it was like ah, and the Bill, you know, the Bills. I think were another team where they were all gone. If that was yeah, you.
1: and but. This team, and Veach in particular, he'll trade up, and he likes doing it, and he has been successful at it. I know the numbers and the data say that's you know not necessarily long-term the wise thing to do, but if there's a guy that he likes and it's on the board at 17, and you know who knows how this year is going to go, but maybe the Chiefs are supposed to pick 24, and uh, you get a run, and he likes the kid from Florida State, and he's on the board for whatever reason, and he just pulls the trigger and says, we're going to go up and get that guy. I think you kind of have to gamble a little bit on finding that true number one um, by trading up in the draft. And then you support everybody else with uh, guys in free agency. I don't know, you know, the debate on T Higgins, whether he's the true number one, are you going to want to pay that guy? Gonna 25 plus million?
0: That's going to be expensive. Yeah,
1: I know. I, I just don't think you're realistically going to find a true number one receiver who can alter games in the way the top five to eight guys can in free agency, unless something wild happens in minnesota and that guy becomes available um, so. but again what are you gonna have to give up for that so um i think it's gonna have to be in the draft and then you're gonna have to supplement that with either really good picks in the you know two to four range and or with you know the, the quality free agent or two um which the team has done in the past it's just not as successful this year
0: introducing royal caribbean's newest ship icon of the seas the ultimate family vacation
1: It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: All right, so uh, let's end. I'll give you my take. I don't think it's over this year. No, this conversation, I've been thinking about it, listening to you and kind of processing as we kind of talk through all the issues beyond the the receiver drops and the run game and the pass protection and Mahomes and the margin of error and all of this. Um, I don't think they're as good a team as the Baltimore Ravens by any means. And I think going against that Ravens defense in particular would be challenging. But I do think there's a world in which the run game comes together the way that we're describing and looks better that there's still that talent on the interior of the offensive line to make that happen. You still have a quarterback who we've shown will play efficient, uh, you know, check down football. He has done it well in the past. And then you have a tight end Kelsey, who I don't think is um, washed. (laughs) I understand that (laughs) he's not having the season he has in the past, but he's still a very, very good player. Um, I really like what I've seen from rice. I think it'll just be ugly. I think the defense is good enough, though, to win ugly games. So, Chiefs fans, I am not throwing in the towel. Uh, I think that there are things that can be fixed, as Jeff said. In the, in, in, Jeff, wow, I just called you Jeff. I just called you your brother's name. Said. You know, it happens. In, in the last two weeks of the season, um, it's just going to be a lot harder than it has in the recent history.
1: I, I'm 100% with you there. And... Again, I think everything Pat has shown us throughout his career shows that he will adapt and he will do the thing necessary to make himself better and to make this team better. And like we talked about, I think it's just going back to trusting whatever he's supposed to do on that particular play, he just has to do it full bore and the other guys will respond. And I think this week is going to be you know him doing that. Um, you look at the landscape of the AFC, if this team can just get like kind of back on track, and again, back on track is like, where the team was earlier in the year when everyone still kind of wondered about why isn't this team performing as well why isn't this offense as good well this team in that capacity beat miami already beat jacksonville already potentially could have beaten the bills you know if you go down and score in that play the bills still have time so i don't necessarily want to say they would have beaten the bills but could have um baltimore i mean that's going to be a great game regardless now you after watching Baltimore this past week, worry about the physicality on both sides of the ball a little bit um, and what (laughs) that defense could do to this offense. But I think you just look across the landscape of the AFC and every team is beatable and the chiefs have already beaten or played with most of those top teams. So it's definitely all there for the taking. Um, It's not going to be as easy of of a path unless something absolutely insane happens. The chiefs are going to have to play on the road in the playoffs as they advance. Um, but can they do it? Absolutely. Will they, like I said, unless something drastically changes these next two weeks, the team as constructed, I don't think is good enough to win three straight games against the likes of Baltimore, Miami, Buffalo, you know, whoever else are going to play, but can they absolutely. And I think there is still a reason for optimism, maybe a little bit of blind optimism at this point and, you know, <laughs> irrational fanatic uh, optimism, but is the optimism there and, and warranted? I think, yes, absolutely.
0: You got 15, you know, it's never not there. Um, all right. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me. This was really fun. This is a really interesting topic that I'm sure we'll revisit not only in the playoffs, but in the off season. You can find him on Twitter at, you have a number in your handle, right? So I don't want to, it's your number, I imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think it's Mitch Schwartz, 71. Um, okay. <laughs> you get the editors well. on that.
0: Uh, In any case, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, If you're listening to this on uh, audio, you can also check it out on YouTube at youtube.com slash times. I will see you guys next week with Dominique.